Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, you would turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 15. I'm standing in the place of pastor this morning. He's not here. He's here and Sister Boyd are not here with us this morning. So let's keep them in mind, Lord, uh, keep them and help them. I know they're, he's having to attend a funeral here in the next couple of days, and obviously he's going to need prayer, uh, so he's not on vacation. Uh, so let's pray for them. Always pray for you, Pastor. Praise God. Acts 15, we're going to start with verse 13. And it says, after, and after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me, listen. Simeon hath declared, he's talking about Peter, how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And Peter was talking about Cornelius. And to, the, and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written, After this I will return. And will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up. And I will, I'm going to pull my title this morning out of this last verse of scripture. The tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David. If you put your Bibles down and pray with me this morning. Lord, help us to understand this this morning and receive your word, Lord. We need to receive something this morning, God. We need an open heart and a mind to understand what saith the word of God this morning. Help us, Lord, to take something home with us and to grab it, a hold of it, Lord, and hold it in our hearts, Lord. Help me, God, to deliver the word that you have put in my heart, Lord. Let me Help me find the right mood and the right spirit this morning. I, I need you, God. I'm just flesh, and I need you to anoint my mind. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, everybody say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. We, uh, we did have a good time at camp meeting and ones that were able to go. I know you were blessed and what great preaching we, we had. We experienced the day services and the night services. My, my, my. Lord of mercy. I don't know who they're going to get to preach next camp meeting. I'll <laughs> just call him back. I don't know. But Lord of mercy did we experience some good preaching, preaching and some good worship. It's nice to come together with large crowds like that and worship God. There's such a, a powerful move of God. And, 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 it's, and it's right when, when the worship is right. And it's coming from Holy Ghost-filled believers with the right spirit. The worship 
is just right. Amen. And we need that. I know we, we get a, the pendulum to swing too far this way, and sometimes it swings too far that way. I know a story. I'm going to tell a, tell a story on Uncle Danny and Daddy this morning. <laughs> when the white building was there, they were young. The young evangelist come by, and it was at nighttime, and he was preaching a revival for them, and apparently had never been here. Got excited. The, 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 the white building over there, you have to understand it was small, so there wasn't a whole lot of room in there to worship and shout and praise God. But they, uh, he got excited, the, the evangelist did, and said, come on, we're going to go outside and run around. And so they went outside the building and took off running around the building. Uncle Danny was right behind him. And, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, he just heard, mm. The guy had run into a tree. <laughs> and Uncle Danny just jumped over. And the ones behind him, just, they just jumped over. And said, I don't know what happened, but I, I can promise you, I'm pretty sure that he never did that again, this evangelist. He probably thought better of that the next church he went to about taking off running outside in the dark. But... Uh, <laughs> We have. We've had people, you know, knock holes in the wall and run over people. But when the Spirit's right, we are here to worship an almighty God. Praise God. I was listening to a devotional the other day by, the, by Brother Ken Gurley. So I want to share with you some things that he said um, he said that, talking about this story about a young man, and even though he was, this young man was in his youth, he had lived a hard life, and he had found out that, they, that he had only had a few hours to live. And the doctor said that there was just nothing more that he could do for him. And the young man, understanding that his death was imminent, he had only recently began to follow the Lord. And as he lay on his bed, he began to feel remorseful over what he had, he could have, what could have been, and what should have been. You ever been there? Just look back over your life. He said, "Doc, I have a, a request." And the doctor said, "Sure, if it's within my power, anything, absolutely." He said, "Strangest thing." He said, "Would you bury my influence with me?" That was one request that no executor to any will could do. Because it's impossible to bury your influence with you. It's impossible to take it with you. There's no possible way to capture every deed done and every word spoken and put it in that casket with you and take it. Because you see, each of us have a ripple effect in our lives. And every action we take, every, every word we speak will radiate out of us. This is, this is what happened in the book of Acts, the, the, the book we're reading out of today. This is what happened in the book of Acts. From the, from the day of Pentecost onward, from the very first sermon that Simon Peter preached, Peter was obedient to the instructions that the Lord left him in Acts 1 before his ascension into the clouds. 
wait. Terry here in Jerusalem, don't leave. Wait till you be endued with power. You're going to be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And, and, and so Peter was there and he waited. And, and, and there seemed to be a ripple effect that radiated not just out of him but, but out of the rest of the apostles. And in chapter 2, Peter preached the very first message of the church. And 3,000 souls were filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts 3, you know the story. He encounters a lame man when he's walking into the temple looking for alms. And the famous statement Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we know what happened. The young man, or, or what, however old he was, got up on his feet. And the Bible says he ran leaping and praising God. Praise God. Acts 4, he preaches to the chief priests the death, burial, and resurrection. And they just wasn't having that. You remember the story? They said, you can preach anything. But don't you preach this Jesus. Don't you preach this Jesus. Acts 5, he cast judgment on Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. And to, up to this point, everything the apostles were doing seemed to be intentional. And they were intentionally and voluntarily laying hands on the sick. And they intentionally and voluntarily preached the gospel, just like the Lord had left them instructions to do. They knew what they were supposed to do. They understood the instructions that the Lord had left them, but something, something happened that they didn't plan on. There were things that wasn't in the schedule. Amen. The multitude started gathering on the streets when Peter laid his hands on them that Jesus might heal them. But something they didn't see coming happened. When Peter would walk by them, the very shadow of Peter would fall on them and it's inferred that the very shadow of Peter healed them. Wow. Wow, what a God. We know because we have the Bible that God will use anything. But that wasn't really the case for the apostles. They only had the Old Testament. And there wasn't a lot of healing in the Old Testament. So they didn't have a lot of that for a precedence. That's all they had was, was the Old Testament. But we know that God used a hem of a garment to heal somebody. That He used mud and He spit in the guy's eye to heal, uh, uh, to, uh, to bring sight to his eyes. And we know that he can use a shadow of a passing man to heal the sick. Hallelujah. We know he used a burning bush. We know all this, a donkey, and it goes on and on. But, 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 but there's something about this that seemed to shift when, you go to, when you're reading through the book of Acts. Other things that happened that, that, that the Lord didn't really give them instructions on. But there was something that, 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 that just began to take place. And I want to tell you what it is. It's a hunger for God. And God responds to hunger. Hallelujah. When he's surrounded by worshipers, he responds. Because there's a ripple effect that takes place. And it began to move through like a wave. Hallelujah. There was a, there was a study done. I think I hear this song that I, I listen to sometimes. And young ladies talking about a study done said that anxiety and gratitude cannot exist in the brain at the same time. Anxiety and gratitude, worship, can, 
cannot exist in the brain at the same time. When you begin to worship God, depression flees. Hallelujah. When you begin to worship and praise God, depression will leave. Hallelujah. Anxiety will leave. It'll just lift off you when you begin to magnify the Lord. That's the God we serve. We see Peter and the rest of the apostles move through people's lives and it influenced them. And they created such a stirring of faith, a stirring of worship. Our actions will create an influence on others. Come on. That's tough. I know. It will. I want to I wanna know. Somebody said this the other day. I'm going to try to say it just so it was said. If, 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 if I'm the guy that's around me that don't know about Jesus, will I hear about Jesus? If if, if we're going to monitor or model my worship and my prayer life, the church, are we going to be okay? Is your children going to be okay if they model your prayer life and your worship? Are they going to be okay when you leave, when you're gone? That's something we need to keep in our spirit and be remind, remind ourselves every day. Will they be okay if they live like daddy lives? Will they be okay if they follow mama? Oh, come on, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta grab that. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost filled saints, wherever they go, should create an atmosphere of worship and an atmosphere of praise and an atmosphere of prayer. Why? Because we're created to worship Him. We're here to create a ripple effect of worship and praise to God. That's what we're designed to do. Simon Peter's shadow had an influence of faith. That's why there was healing taking place. It had nothing to do with his shadow nor Peter. It was their faith. Fourteen chapters are dedicated to Joseph in the book of Genesis starting at 37, chapter 37. Fourteen chapters. However, in, in chapter 38, as most a lot of you know, it takes a detour. I mean, just, man... Just, you're just out. You're in the middle of a story and all of a sudden just jumps. And the story begins to talk about Joseph's brother Judah and his affair with his daughter-in-law Tamar. And they had an illegitimate son. And in Deuteronomy 23 and verse 2, I'm going to read this out of a different version. It says, if a person is illegitimate by birth, neither he nor his descendant for ten generations, ten, may be admitted or able to assemble of the Lord. An illegitimate son shall not enter the congregation of the Lord until the tenth generation. So from Judah's son until David was ten generations. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 3, it says, And Judas begot Pharaz and Zerah of Tamar. And Pharaz begot Ezram. And Ezram begot Aram. And Aram begot Aminadad. And Aminadad begot Nason. And Nason begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Booz of Rachab. And Booz begot Obed of Ruth. And Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David, the king. Ten generations. Perhaps 
When you're reading in this book of Psalms, and when you get to Psalms 122, that the Psalm that David wrote, perhaps when he wrote this, when he said, I was glad, when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. We have to understand that there was a different ring. He just he wasn't just writing a psalm. He was writing a testimony that he was the tenth generation. And before him, up between him and Pharaoh, no one was allowed to go into the house of the Lord. But he was the one that broke that. And now he was allowed to go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We remember what happened during COVID-19 when they shut the house, the house of the buildings down. But they couldn't shut us down. You know, we had to, we had, we was able to pray in our homes because God fills all space, right? And we can get a hold of Him in our car, in our yard, in our homes. But it, it was, it was hard to not be able to assemble together. So we can understand just a little bit of what David was talking about when he said, Oh my, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. What a God. Woo, there's nothing like coming with your brothers and sisters and experiencing the power of God. Praise God. Amos 9, 11 through 13. It says, in that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof and I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the heathen which are called by my name saith the Lord that doeth this. Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed and the mountains shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. Woo, I'm telling you, that's coming. That's coming. David understood how to please God. I want to understand how to please God. I want to understand that. Paul said that I may know Him. I want to know God. I want to be able to lean on His understanding and not my own. Hallelujah. I want to bless the Lord at all times. I want His praise to continually be on my lips. But I want to understand why I'm praising God. I don't want to just mutter words. I want an understanding that I may know Him in the power of His might. I want to know God. Hallelujah. David understood God. He knew Him. In 1 Samuel 17, David, he meets his brothers to, to bring them provisions. And this is where he, uh, he hears the uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the Lord. We know him better as Goliath. And David's just bringing his brothers. You've got to remember, he's just a teenager, 17, 18 years old. And David asks, after hearing this giant down there curse and mock them, he said, is there not a cause? What are we doing? We're, we're, we're God's people. What's going on here? And when Saul heard the words that David spoke, he called for him. And Saul said, David's trying to tell, tell him he can go and fight him. And Saul said, but you're but a youth. You, you can't fight this giant. And David said, oh, wait a minute. Let me tell you something. He said, let me tell you something. When I kept my father's sheep, 
there came a lion and a bear and I took and took a lamb, but I smote him and slew him. And let me tell you something, King Saul. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of those. Because I won't be going with my might. I'm going by his might. And I know a God that's able because there was a lion and there was a bear. And it wasn't by my might, but it was by his might. And that uncircumcised Philistine, will God will put in my hands. Praise God. Saul said, okay. He said, all right. Saul gets his armor and he puts it on David. But it didn't fit David. David said, I'm not ready for this. Which is strange. He said, I'm not ready for this. I haven't proved these. You see, David knew he wasn't ready to wear the king's armor. Now, if you read back a chapter, you, you kind of don't understand it because Samuel just left his house in the last chapter, anointed him with all to be the next king. He said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. But David understood something. He understood he wasn't ready to fulfill that role just yet. Hallelujah. There were some things that needed he needed to learn. One, somebody said this the other night, he needed to learn to battle. Hallelujah. He needed to learn to battle before he was put into leadership. He needed to understand how to fight on the battlefield first. In other words, David needed to learn to worship before he being promoted to the throne. You can't just grab the mic. You've got to learn how to worship and praise God. Hallelujah. You've got to learn how to pray and get a hold and advance you into leadership. If you can't meet with God in your home and get a hold of God and get into his throne room, we can't advance you in the kingdom. He needed to prove some things before God could use him, before he could, or before he could elevate him rather. He needed to establish a relationship with the people of God. I said, I know, I'm, I know that I know God anointed me to be a preacher. I know that. I, I, I know. I can't tell you how I know. I just know. I don't have the time to tell you. But I do know. That was the one step. Preachers, men of God, women of God, leaders. Just cause Brother Boyd or, or, or God puts you in leadership. And you, oh, I got, whoa, whoa. The second thing that has to happen is the people have to anoint you. Oh, yes, they do. They have to approve of you. So I need all of you to know that I love you. I need that. Not just because I do love you, but I need you to understand that I do love you. And I do care for you. And I'm not just up here preaching down to you, but I'm preaching with you. Hallelujah, I want us all to make heaven our home. I'm not just pointing my finger. I've got three pointing back. I am with you. I'm not above you. I'm not below you. I'm right beside you. And I need you to help me make it to heaven. I need you to help me lead. I can't lead if I don't have your approval. And I need it. I'm dead if I don't have it. God had to sit me down. That's true. Praise God. David wasn't king material just yet, but one thing he was, and that was a worshiper of God. A worshiper. 
the house that David had fallen at the, at the Babylonian captivity. There was a partial restoration under Zerubbabel, a temp, temporary fulfillment. But the real restoration wouldn't come until the time of the Messiah. In Genesis 49 and 10, it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. The tabernacle before the Messiah was just a prototype. It was an example of the real one to come. So, I've been talking about the tabernacle to David and what all that is. So what is that? What does that mean? What does, what does the tabernacle of David mean? What is James in our opening text talking about? And what is Amos talking about? I'm going to bring back the, the tabernacle of David. What's that mean? In 2 Samuel, David, this was years later after David had became king, he gathered 30,000 chosen men of Israel and he went to bring up the ark of God. See, David understood his position as king and what God wanted as a king for his people. He understood he couldn't do this without God. I just got through talking about that. But he couldn't do it without the people. So remember, David was a man after God's own heart. So during the reign of the late King Saul, the ark was neglected. And because the late king didn't understand the true meaning of the ark, and the, it, it, the people became careless. And Saul had created a ripple effect, just like a pond, just a, a ripple. Someone said, there's a great preacher, I can't think of his name, I, I, I'm not sure who it was, but he said, whatever's in the heart of the shepherd, listen to this, will come out in the heart of the people. So that's what happened with Israel. You know what's in the heart of Saul? And it came out in the people of Israel. You see, Israel had become careless about the true meaning of worship while Saul was their king. The people had become casual about the ordinances of divine worship. And it seems they had been making sacrifices at Gibeon without the ark of the Lord, which was the most important part of the tabernacle. This, this building is a nice building, Brother Rayleigh. It, it is. It's a, it's a nice building. The structure is sound. But I'm here to tell you, without God inside, this house is nothing but a piece of real estate without the presence of God. Without God in it, we're, 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 we don't have anything but some walls and a roof. Hallelujah. We're, we're not here to worship the walls. We're not here to worship one another. We're not here to worship the praise team. We're not here to worship the preacher. We're here to worship the Almighty God. We're here to lift up His name. Hallelujah. And let me just tell you, the presence of the Lord is, he is everywhere. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The whole earth is full of His glory. So we don't have to come in and wait for the presence of God to come. No, no, no. The presence of the Lord is already here. We serve an omnipresent God. We serve an all-sufficient God. We serve an almighty God. We serve an all-powerful God. He's already in the building. He just needs you and I to meet Him. Praise God. We need to activate Him. He's here. But it's up to you and I. And it takes worship and praise and prayer to activate Him.
We came to make a joyful noise. We was doing that earlier. Woo! That's a sweet sound. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. The Bible says, serve him with gladness. Come before his presence with singing and thanksgiving. Be thankful. Be thankful. What? Be thankful. What? Be thankful. I'm going through a trial. Be thankful. I'm going in. I'm sick and I'll be thankful. Oh, I lost my job. Be thankful. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Praise God. God sent them a king after his own heart that understood worship. Our lives are cause and effect. Everything we do causes an effect on others. Israel had been led by a heathen king and it caused them to stray from their purpose which is to be a lamp for the world. They were to be an example for the rest of the world. That's a, that's a heavy burden, but that's what God created them for. We know that God chose them to be His people, but He didn't want to just use them. He didn't want to just save them. He used them as examples, as lights to reach the world. Israel always had a hard time understanding that. They were to be a light in the darkness, but a ripple effect of darkness had put their light out and let the nation blind. My, what, what would happen today if the church lost its light? Mm, imagine the ripple effect that would have on our world. We have to be careful about our walk with God because we're creating ripples. Think about that. We're creating ripples every day. So the church should always be in the business of creating a ripple of worship. Our influence either benefits or destroys. So may the church be beneficent. May the church be helpful. May the church be favorable. May the church be profitable. May the church be satisfying. May the church be desirable. May they feel hope when they walk in a building. May they feel kindness when they walk in a building. May they feel love when they walk in a building. And most of all, may they feel God when they walk in a building. Woo, we should be constructive. Oh, we got to be healthy. We got to be a healthy church. We got to be a healthy church. So let us be such a worshiper that our shadow affects the ones beside us. Hallelujah. Woo, we just set off a ripple. My goodness, sometimes I'm in a bad mood. I don't feel like being in church. But when Brother Wayne Williams comes down there and starts worshiping God, it just puts something in my spirit because there's a ripple effect. Praise God. Let's not be inconsistent. An inconsistent person isn't taken seriously. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So be stable. What a sad ending to Lot's story. Lot was the head of his household, nephew of Abraham. Uncle Abe was his uncle. The father of all nations. That was his uncle. Praise God, Lot was the head of his household. And when they should have listened to him, they instead mocked him because they had no respect for him. He failed to lead his family. And because of that, they perished. And only two daughters came out with him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And those two, the daughters, were so corrupted that they committed incest with him. <laughs> My goodness, let us live a life that saves lives, not destroys lives. Let's, let's let, uh, let everybody around us take us seriously. Hallelujah. We're, we're the same on Monday. 
How can we influence, influence people into living for God if they don't take us seriously? That's something to, under, to think about. If they don't take you seriously, how can we convince them that this is the best life if we don't possess the fruit of the Spirit? If we're always in a bad mood and arrogant, how can we convince them, oh, hey, God's the best life when they're, when they're kinder than we are? Hmm. How can we win people to the cross if we have that kind of spirit? David found out. You know the story. tried the first attempt to get the ark. It was failure. He was worshiping God, but he didn't understand God. Okay? As I said earlier, we need to not only worship God, but understand God, what He wants from us. And David found out after leaving the ark at Obed-Edom's house, that he was blessed. Obed-Edom was blessed. The Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom because of the ark of God. So in 1 Chronicles 15, starting with verse 25, it says, So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. With joy. And it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. Stay with me. This is all worship. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen. And all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers. You got to have singers. <laughs> you got to have singers. And Tenaniah, the master of the song with the singers. That was, a, that was the praise leader. That was Brother Osborne leading the praise worship team. And David also had upon him an ephod of linen. That was the pastor. He wasn't letting them do it all by himself, by themselves. And thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord, shouting. The Bible says they were shouting. And with the sound of the cornet and with trumpets. Mm, you need trumpets. And with cymbals making a noise with psalteries and harps. That's the tabernacle of David. That's what Amos was talking about. That's what James was talking about. We're going to bring back the tabernacle of David. Hallelujah. The tabernacle of David is a tabernacle of worship. What are you talking about? What David said in his last psalm, praise God in the sanctuary, didn't he? He said, praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Hallelujah. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Oh, you got to praise him with the... You, Brother Boyd, do like the timbrels. We need to get a, a, a timbrel in our mind maybe. And praise him with your dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. With everything. With every breath. Praise ye the Lord with a whole heart. What a God. Let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. John 9, 30. There, we know about this guy. This is the one that, man that was born blind and Jesus spat on the ground to make clay to put in his eyes. Then he told him, he said, now, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he did, he came seeing. We don't know why God chose to do that. Why didn't he just heal his eyes? We don't know. But the Pharisees wouldn't leave him alone about it, this blind man. And they kept asking, how did you receive your sight? And he told them, well, 
man put clay in his in my eyes, and now I can see. I washed him in the pool of Siloam, and now I see. So they got his parents, and they brought his parents in there. And they said, what happened to him? Well, said, well, we don't know. Ask him. He said he was born blind. Now he sees. We don't know. He's of age. Ask him. They didn't want to get involved. They didn't really. They were nervous. They didn't want to get thrown out of the temple. And they told. And so the Pharisees told him. Said, "Well, let me tell you something. You give the credit to God. Well, we know that he was, but they didn't. They said, whatever you do, give the credit to God. We know this man. They was talking about Jesus is a sinner. That's what they were saying." And the guy said, well, I don't know whether he'll be a sinner or not. But, but I do know one thing. Once I was blind, but now I see. I don't know who you think Jesus is, but I'm, let me tell you who I think he is. Let me tell you who I think Jesus is. Once I was a drug addict, but now I'm preaching the gospel. Once I was an alcoholic, but now I'm praising God. Once I couldn't have a conversation, but now... Hallelujah. I'm a worshiper of God. I don't know what you think about Jesus. I don't know what you came to do. But I came to praise the Lord. I've got a lot to praise Him for. I've got a lot to thank Him for. And I can't do it all today. But I'm going to try. Hallelujah. I can't do it all today. But I'm going to try. Hallelujah. Let me say it again. If there's any redeemed in the house today, you ought to say so. You ought to say so right now. If there's any delivered in the house this morning, you ought to say so right now. Praise God. Let there be a ripple effect of healing. Let there be a ripple effect of salvation right now. Let there be a ripple effect of worship and praise and salvation. Come on. This is the time. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.